This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, to get 20, 20, 20, to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by McDelivery, bringing you the food you love. McDelivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. No matter the result, you'll always be winning with McDelivery. So, the only thing left to say is, you win? Order now on the McDonald's app and you can also get rewards points delivered too, so the ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via our participating restaurants, 18 plus rewards registration required, points only on menu items, delivery fee and time supply. See mcdonalds.com. Welcome everybody to uh, yeah another episode of the Ever uh, Forever Bristol City podcast. Uh, it all seems a little bit end of season. It has been that for probably about three months, but uh, the sun is shining bright. Joining me is our illustrious panel of Ian, Mark and Les. Um, good to see so many people listening four hours after this game finished. So thanks to all of you that have uh, come in. Uh, let's do the customary because there's not, I don't think, I don't think we've got enough to talk about for a full hour here, but some people would say that's a good thing. And uh, Stevie, Stevie Neville on OTIP, thank you for your comment on Ian. He loves you. Um, but uh, there we go. People. Well, can, I just, can I just say, since you saw, since you saw fit to bring that up, uh, <laughs> I don't hide. I don't hide behind a, a silly username. So if he wants to give me his first name and his second name, we can have a conversation about it. There you go. All right. There you go. Challenge thrown down to uh, Stevie. Stevie Neville. So, so Ian, Ian, you like you like Nigel. I, I mean, I was introduced to Nigel Pearson as as um, Bob Mortimer this week. Uh, I am a. Bob- if you, have anybody got a chance to listen to Bob Mortimer's impression of Nigel Pearson on the. Atletico Mint podcast he does with a guy called Andy Dawson. Uh, he, he did an impression on the February 26th uh, episode oh. when when he just got a point and said, I am a superb fighter. I will fight anybody. I, I, got oh, I, I saw that thread going on OTIP. Anyway, let's get, back down, let's get back down to the match action. Nil-nil, sorry, 1-1 one, one even at uh, <laughs> Hillsborough. Um, you can tell how attached I was uh, to the game today. Um, we do the usual. Les, uh, your thoughts, summar- summarised thoughts on uh, the game. I've got very little written down about it, but just in a nutshell, a quick resume, and then we'll talk in detail about probably three or four key points in there, and that's it. But Les, quick uh, yeah, assessment. I thought, yeah, I thought it was some of the worst officiating that I can remember seeing for a long time. I thought... Uh, Hutchinson should have been sent off in the first six minutes if you watch that back. He did a horrible tackle on the back of Semenyo's calf where he stamped down on him. Obviously, they gave the penalty, which in hindsight was a terrible decision. And obviously, Lansbury then gets sent off as well. I mean, you can't, you can only make them decisions when it's obvious, when it's factual. And they they guessed because we know that because the replay showed he didn't touch it. So it was a horrible decision. 
but I think the players deserve a lot of credit because we're a very young, inexperienced team and they had to soak up a lot of pressure. And, you know, we got that point. And Backinson, I thought, second half was the best player on the pitch. Yeah, good, good. Uh, Ian, uh, your thoughts on that? I mean, you know, although it was a crap game, we were down to, well, some would argue that with Lansbury off, it was no different to playing with 11. But your uh, brief thoughts on the um, on, on the game as a whole? Very difficult watch. Um, didn't enjoy it, to be honest. Great goal from Backinson. Um, the Lansbury incident, if he didn't touch it, what what was he doing with his arms? Because he gave the referee a decision. I think the referee was actually, if you look at him, was going to give a corner. And then all the Sheffield Wednesday players went up to him screaming handball and he caved in and gave it. Um, so I don't know what the linesman gave because he was probably in as good a position to see as anybody because he's, he's looking at more or less along the line. Um, not a great game. Didn't like the way we were set up. We're not very good. And um, we're very, very difficult to watch. Yeah. Mark, your thoughts? Uh, just top-level overview of the game. Yeah, in a week where social distancing, uh, social distancing rules were relaxed, City's defence went walkabout as usual after three minutes for Borner the Explorer to head in. Worth was to follow when Angela Lansbury tried to tip the ball over the top shelf but, but was sent off by the referee for not trying hard enough. Wednesday reverted to the can't be ours formation in the second half, allowing City to toil on. 87 minutes, time stood still. McFly, backs to yeah. the future. One all, yeah. and we all live happily ever after. There we go. There we go. Well, no, that's right. It was a point, and you got to say, 10 men battling. They didn't wilt, and I think if the game had gone on another 15 minutes or so, we might even have uh, got a winner because they came out of themselves. Um, starting lineup. Uh, Ian, I'll come to you first on that. Any surprise? I mean, what, why are we persisting with Fam? I know he put that shot in just after the score, but I didn't see him do anything. I think some would argue that he was at fault for the uh, opening goal. But, um, you know, no. Uh, and Simpson injured. Was it Jess Cramp? Not looking great, is it? Your thoughts on the lineup, though, Ian? Well, it doesn't matter who you play up front, Dave, if you haven't got anybody in the team that can give them the ball. I mean, there was only yeah. one time I criticised Fam today. Apart from his general control, and we know he hasn't got a great first touch, and, and that's not how you get the best out of him back to goal, okay? Yeah. But the only time I could criticise him today was when Backison played that through ball and the defender tried to clear it and fell over. Now, if when he passed, if, if Fam would have gambled on the defender missing it, he'd have been through on goal. Yeah. Um, but that's the only time. The rest of it is, I mean, our defended from set pieces is appalling. Bannon's yeah. delivery is good. They'd obviously done their own work on us and thought, right, get the ball beyond the back stick because, you know, you'll be jumping against Jack Hunt, who isn't the biggest, and I thought Jack Hunt was absolutely appalling today. That's the worst yeah. I've ever seen him play. And I'm normally not, you know, some people are ant, what I call anti-Jack Hunt, you know, whatever the bloke does. Well, you're neutral on him right. because I said you... you, 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 yeah. you... Yeah, so you, but you're admitting today that he was uh, was not great. Oh, he was okay. no, he was, the, he was the worst I've ever seen him seen him play. He kept giving the ball away. His passing was terrible. Our distribution from the back is dreadful. We haven't really got a great pass of the ball. Mac Backinson's probably the best pass of the ball we've got in midfield. When he's on but it, every time, every time Bannon played the ball forward, we looked in trouble, and yeah. we didn't get on Bannon enough. 
We kept giving away silly free kicks and daft set pieces, never really got going. And that was, you know, that was so it. then we're a goal down. Yeah. Goal down. Let's talk about, let's, let's come on to the goal. Let me come on to Lance, the goal. Lance, we get uh, sent uh, off. Yeah, let, let's come on to the goal. Les, um, I mean, it was early pressure from the home side. Not that it makes any difference these days. Um, they had appeals for a corner as the ball went, uh, for a penalty as the ball went out for a corner. So, Les, first of all, was that a pen? And then let's talk about the goal as well. But was that a pen, that uh, incident that led to the corner? Excuse me. That's um, all right. Was there a pen? No. I think Semenya got his uh, foot on the ball and they kind of, no. Was it, what do they call it? Half a dozen of another or whatever it is when they're both. Six of one, half a dozen of another. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. No. Uh, so, no, I don't think that was a penalty. And as for the corner, it's, it's like a school game, isn't it? When you've got the big, bit of big team against a small team, you just put it in around the six yard box and you know you're not going to win it because the other team's so much bigger than you are. And that's yeah. our problem. It's been the problem all season. I mean, I think I've read somewhere that we've considered the most set piece. Yeah, ten goals. more than any other club. I ten think, more. Uh, they, I mean, they more, were allowed two. They were allowed. Mark. They were allowed two touches in uh, in the box, and the second one was a bloke. It was only a second goal all season. Another sloppy goal, wasn't it? Really. Yeah, we got sucked under the ball. Windass is at the back post, just hooks it back. I mean, similar to the goal against Coventry where it was hooked back by Tyler Walker for Ostergaard to hit in. This time, it was hooked back by Windass. Uh, Borner just wanders in, no City player attacking the ball. And he just he's basically t- a yard out and he heads it straight straight through and, and in. And, yeah. you know, a, there was a great stat at the top of the show on Robins TV. Wednesday had won no points this season at all after going behind in games. So, you know, you do not want to go yeah. behind it, you know. No, and as Lisa's pointed out, and as Lisa, your sister's pointed out on the, the text, Mark, they've lost 27 points from winning winning uh, positions Wednesday. But, uh, yeah. uh, Ian, uh, Ian, the goal, you sort of started to touch on it. Um, not a sloppy one, but we almost got back into it within a minute with, you know, what was it the only shot we had on target? Fan put in, well, other than the goal, fan put in a good effort. That was well, a good uh, retort for City, wasn't it? Yeah, we had three shots on target, the same as them. They, it's just that we only had five shots in total and they had 20, um, which tells you something about the quality of Sheffield Wednesday. If you, if you take Barry Bannon out the side, and he's a player I'd have liked to see us, I would have liked to see a sign. Um, he's left-sided, he's creative, does two things that we haven't got, but he's just signed a new two-year contract uh, yeah. in Sheffield Wednesday. Now, I would imagine there's a, a buyout clause in it is quite sensible. So, you know, he's, he's may I, I can't see the point in him playing League One football unless he's, you know, really, really, really unambitious. Um, you're talking about their goal. Yeah. You're talking about Sheffield Wednesday's goal. Yeah. Yeah. Well, it's it's a, a classic Bristol City one. We concede it was a, a deep corner beyond the back post. Up goes um, a, a big defender against. Jack and I think Semenyo, and they both got stuck under the ball, ball watching. And he's headed it across, and we've got two blokes stood back uh, almost on the goal line instead of being out in a position where they can edit away. And Fam's normally one of our best aerial defenders from set pieces, I'll say that. And perhaps that tells you everything you want to know. But we're just, we're not very physical and we're not very big. And until we put those two things right, we're not going to sign. 
um, uh, we're, we're not going to cure that. We're not going to progress. We're not going to progress. Of, of, be, no. of being weak from it'd be, it'd be totally no. different if if uh, Big Baker had played twenty odd games this season, but obviously yeah. he hasn't. He isn't. He no, isn't and he's going not going to. to, is he? We're not going to see him in a shirt ever again. Uh, Let's. Uh, I guess you could say the game's turning point because if we'd have gone two 0 down, I think we could have conceded uh, a hatful there. But um, Adam Reach, a player we've been linked with puts in a cross and uh, it gets dinked in and uh, Angela um, I've looked at it three or four times and I think it was hand onto bar like a goalkeeper would tip it over but your thoughts on the penalty decision your thoughts on the penalty decision yeah I mean look 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 it's an appalling decision and it's an appalling decision because you know we're not talking about a 50-50 challenge in the halfway line do you know what I mean if he's going to give that as a penalty, he's going to have to send the player off as well. So you need to be certain, and they weren't certain because if you were, if you know, if they was, you know, it's based on fact. Yeah. He has in his hand. They can't make that decision. It's as simple as that. They're guessing. They're guessing because you've seen the replay and it hasn't touched it. It might look like he's touched it. You can see he's jumped up and he's touched the crossbar. Has it his hand as well? Uh, it has hit the ball as well. Uh, no, it hasn't. Um, should he have jumped up like that? Probably not. But Lansbury don't strike me as the sharpest tool in the box or whatever it is. Um, there was no need for him to do that. But ultimately, you can't give penalties because or call a handball for someone's hands being yeah. in that drop position. The ball's got to hit the hand. It's as simple yeah. as that. Do you think even if we'd have had VAR, because Taylor Moore, who seemed to be watching a different game to the one I was watching most of the time with some of his comments, but uh, do you think if we'd have had VAR, that would have not solve the problem because you think it wasn't yeah, handball. Yeah. I've looked at it a couple of times, but would VAR have sorted it yeah, out? Yeah, it, it would have sorted it out. It would have sorted it out because when you see it slowed down, you can see that the ball doesn't touch his hand. It's as simple as that. Okay. So All right. was it a clear and obvious error? It probably wasn't. But at the same time, when you look at the fact you're going to get a penalty and a red card, the ball's got to touch his hand and it hasn't touched yeah. his hand. So you, unfortunately, it was a terrible. Yeah. It was a terrible decision. They guessed. Bad decision. It's as simple yeah. as that. And there were some shitty decisions in the referee. He was all the terrible. Way along the line. Let me he tell you something. Another... That, that 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 tackle by Hutchinson in the first ten minutes. Watch it back. He's grated his foot. His studs all down Semenyo's calf, and Semenyo hasn't been the same player the whole game since that moment. Yeah, a braver right. ref sends him off, and he should have been sent off. Interesting. Weak, uh, weak ref. Weak, weak, weak ref. refereeing, and, and even with no fans in the ground. Um, Ian, the uh, we, we, we're talking about the penalty save in a moment, but the uh, the penalty incident, I mean, Lansbury, it's been a bit of a disaster most of the time he's been here, hasn't he? You know, he's, and, and as a pro, going up like that, you know, he must have known what he was doing. But first and foremost, do you think he touched it? Or is it an optical illusion that the referee or the linesman or a combination of the two thought he did? Because, as you say, the way it went over the bar, if it had hit the hand, it couldn't have gone over the bar with that velocity, could it? From what... Yeah, it could. I mean, from what I saw, um, I wouldn't put my mortgage on it either way. But to take Les's point... The referee needs to be sure. Um, and I don't think, when you look at it, I don't think the referee could be sure. Um, so, no. And he I was harangued he by should. their players. He was harangued by their players, wasn't he? Because they went over on mass. Yeah, and that's what. They? I mean, but let's be honest, if it was the other way around, we'd have been exactly the same. And we'd have said, yeah, it was a penalty. So, yeah. 
I, I, it's, it's one of those, in terms of Lansbury, my, my view simple, we, we shouldn't have signed him. I don't think he's, I don't think he's been terrible. Um, but I don't think if you look, you, you're going down that path of signing journeymen again, aren't you? You've got Lansbury, yeah. um, you've got Simpson, who's, who's not fit. Um, and I reckon he's, he's done his hamstring. I don't, I, I, perhaps not badly, but it's certainly, I mean, if it was cramp, he'd have been over it by now. Um, yeah. And we've got, um, of, of them all, since he was moved to centre-back, I think Mariapa has probably been the best of the, of the experienced guys we signed. But we, we signed them all because of the terrible problems we've had with injuries. Yeah, yeah. And uh, no, until right. that situation is resolved and there's a load of work to do in the summer to resolve it on and off the field, mm. then it, that, it's not going to go away. You know, any side in the division, we were missing um, 15, uh, 15 players today injured. Out yeah. for, more or less. Out you know, you can't, that's an inescapable fact. And then, well, we'll talk about all the off the field stuff later, but this injury thing, you know, is needs a proper investigation. Mark, let me just have, so you thought, you thought, you you wouldn't state your house one way or the other on the on the on the penalty, Ian. You you thought it was too close to call, uh, in your view. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. yeah. Mark, your 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 thoughts on it? You must have watched it. it I, a, I was it stood was, by the screen. I was stood by the screen, just like I was in the closing credits, or just before the end of last week's line of duty, trying to work out whose picture <laughs> it was when Hastings <laughs> sort of was. Well, that was Joe. Da- it was Joe Davison. It was Joe Davison, which was done was deliberately. All along, wasn't yeah. It? Well, we could spe- we could call it the line of duty show or something like that. But uh, don't, what did, did it, not not a penalty for you then, uh, uh, Mark? No, no. The thing is, the problem the problem they had was Patterson struck struck the ball into the ground when he should have scored really. But he, hit the, he hits the ball, he gets above the ball, strikes it into the ground, the ball goes up. But the ball goes above the above the bar and drops down. It dropped down onto the top of the bar. Mm. Lansbury's got his hand under the bar, but he doesn't touch it in any motion yeah. uh, at, at all. So really, so it's, circumstantial, is, it's circumstantial evidence. Then, yeah, basically. I mean the it, problem is the referee. The, yeah. ref, the yeah. referee. The referee didn't give it. The linesman alerts the referee, and they talk to talk to one another. And for sudden, for some reason, the linesman, assistant referee, what we call them, sure. What you need really is a camera behind the goal. Do you remember when uh, Mawson got sent off? We had about sixteen replays of that, didn't we? Although it was much oh, easier. God. to Yeah, see that slow, was in Sheffield, and that slow, was in Sheffield as yeah, well. But so uh, slowed down. But the ball lands. Right on top of the bar, and that's why it goes shoots up because it lands in the middle of the top of the crossbar, and the motion yeah. takes it north. You know, yeah. I'm going to look at it a few more times, I think, because I thought it did, but I, so I've looked at it twice separate from when it was being shown in uh, in live play. But then, Mark, I'll come to you first on this. Um, up steps Bannon with a penalty, and you're thinking, here we go, two nil after 20 minutes. I even wrote down nil two, sort of thing, and then. Um, won the goalkeeper, Dan Bentley, weak penalty or very. damn good save? It was, it was very, it, it was very it weak. tucked in, was it? He didn't have no, he hit it with no, he hit it with no power at all. Bentley was able to get just in front of the line and save it comfortably down to his right. It was a very, fairly comfortable save. And, you know, if you don't strike the ball with power or send the keeper the wrong, send the keeper the wrong way, that was a very poor penalty. And we were, we were, I think everybody was expecting him to score. And he didn't. And, uh, and that was, that was the end of the game. But he just, it was awful. 
And yeah. I think that's indicative of Wednesday this season and the chances they had and the fact that they, they dropped into uh, defence in the last 10, 15 minutes when they didn't need to. No. It was shocking, really, from that yeah. point of view. Les, after he missed that penalty, it sort of became a little bit of the Barry Bannon uh, a, a show because there was one instant where he literally went past four of our players on with a ball messy style at his feet. No tackle came in. And then he crossed the ball for, uh, I think it was Palmer, hit the post. I mean, you know, we could have gone in that. We could have easily gone in two or three down, couldn't we, even after the penalty save, yeah? And he was running yeah. Yeah, he was running the show. I think before um, before what's his name Lansbury got sent off. I think Masengo was doing a man to man job on him, but mm. once he lost the midfielder, he's not able to do that. So he got a lot more time and space and was able to dictate the game, which is what he does. He's probably the best midfielder in the championship at in that kind of sitting role and spraying the ball around and finding a pass. He's an excellent part of a football, and you can't really give him space and time. But when you got ten men. Unfortunately, yeah, he's, that's he's going to have happen. the license to do that. But like other people have said, you know, Sheffield Wednesday aren't very good. They're not very good going forward. Um, they've no. got a lot of target men, with, but without that little bit of class that you need, that's that can put away Bannon's uh, creativity. And that's yeah. why I think they're down the bottom of the table. He's by far the best player. Uh, I don't think they got a lot apart from Bannon, to be honest. No, I would, I would agree with that. I mean, Ian, I just describing those incidents with Bannon, you know, sort of, you know, featured in everything that they did, pretty much. I think he did it in the second half nearly as well. But somebody did put uh, a tackle in, or the ball broke uh, kindly for us. But I mean, would he, would he? I know he's under contract, but is it, are we getting him too late? I mean, we got Angela about five years too late, didn't we? Yeah, Henri Lansbury and Barry Bannon. If we did get him. I think I don't know how old he is next birthday, but I bet it's either twenty nine or thirty, and it's another one who's not going to get any better, is he? I mean, what do you think? You know, you, you said we haven't got a player like him. Well, is there a younger version out there in another club? But um, he, he bossed the game pretty much throughout, didn't he? Until they got a bit nervous towards the last fifteen. Well, yeah. have, have we got a player like him? No. no. Um. It's... We haven't had a player like him really since Brian Tinian, or possibly Luke Freeman was a, a, a he, he probably wasn't the range passer that Bannon is, but he was creative, left-sided, and you know he could score the odd goal. Um, so he's he's better than what we've got. If you look at, have we got anything similar? Liam Walsh is probably a younger right-sided version. Um, yeah. Joe Williams is a different type. He's a tackling box-to-box energetic midfielder, more in the what you might call the Joss Brangnell mould. But yeah. is he – are you going to get um, – it's a big question for City and for Nigel Pearson, assuming he takes over as our manager, is are you going to be able to get Walsh and Williams fit? Massive question. Well, that's a key question. The one's out of contract. Yeah. Yeah. If you can't get them fit, I mean, if, if we, it's no point giving Liam Walsh a three-year deal, and uh, unless you know he's going to be physically fit, I can't say he can't get injured. Every every player can get injured. That's not my point. My point is he's had a bad injury this season. How do you know he's going to be over it, or do you temper the contract around some kind of, I'll say, pay when play, but not exactly that. But something that says, right, you know, if you play a set number of games, 
you get a lot more money. But the and, thing and is, way, the you thing had, is, Ari, and I think, a bit. yeah, I think the thing is, Ari, and and, but, but, and what? Well, so, Les, you sorry, you started to make a point. Well, I, I, can't, I can't, I can't see, I can't see Walsh staying now, um, because, like Ian said, you know, with his injury record, why are we going to suddenly offer him a three-year contract? I just can't see it happening because you know he he ain't the saviour. He isn't this kind of dominating championship proven midfielder. He had a good spell in League One with Coventry. And yeah. that's pretty much it. And you've also got to remember that we have got a lot of players in midfield and Pierce is going to want to bring one or two in, which means a couple have got to be sacrificed. I and know. No, you're right. Ultimately, you're right. ultimately, if we say, all right, then we'll offer him a two-year contract just to keep our options open. Why would he sign a two-year contract when he can get a three or four-year contract? Well, because somebody could take a punt on him and buy him for... Exactly what I was going to say, Les. Somebody could take a punt on him. They haven't got to pay a fee, yeah? And they could they give, give him a three-year three contract. Year. Yeah, yeah, and give him give him a deal. Yeah. And, it, and why it, would and also what why would Wolf stay when he's had next to no game time for us when he was before he was on loan? Obviously, it wasn't good enough, but he hardly got a run then, and no. he's obviously been injured this season. And you know, isn't he got? Doesn't well, he a, got the same? A, he's got the same agent as Williams, hasn't a, he? And they've both yeah, and they've it's both a been a bit a di- scathing. It's a, yeah, but it's a different manager, and I, I agree with you about the. Um, the, the the have they been scathed? Oh, I don't know about Walsh, but Williams was certainly um, made is made mm-hmm. two s- significant posts on um, mm-hmm. Instagram or whatever about his treatment, and that story came out in the Atlantic, which I'm saying sounds true to me because it was too near the too near accurate to what you hear for it for it to be to be for it to be made up. So I, I honestly think that. Um, you know, will he stay? Oh, listen, I don't know. Um, but I think it's a different manager. If the manager says, look, I'm going to sort this this training regime or the, the medical regime or whatever it is out, and that might be something the new CEO, if we get one, gets involved in or the new director of football. So I think things are changing, but we need to if, know if you're Nigel what Pearson, those things are. And I, th- I think the if players... You're, if you're Nigel Pearson, well. do, you, do you offer him a new contract? Um, yeah, it depends. I would, depending on what the contract was, Les. I wouldn't so offer. Let's say, like, so let's say you money. offer him. You, let's say you offer him a new contract. What mm-hmm. midfielders, centre midfielders, have we got in contract for next season? Well, Masengo, uh, him, Masengo, him, and Williams, which would be, you know, a good Nagy. trio of midfield and Nash. And so got who's Adam Nash, Tyler well. Parkinson, Tyree Parkinson, Viner. So. That's yeah, six. You, you, wait, wait, yeah, wait. Well, that's six. Do we need him? So now, now you go to Pearson, and is are you seriously telling me Pearson isn't going to want to want to bring in one of his own centre midfielders? Yeah, someone no, that he no, knows. Right. Someone is, that he we, likes. You've got to remember, Les. We got if Walsh stays, we still got thirteen players going. So he'll, he'll have enough room to bring in. At least, yeah, but midfield, least midfield is the engine room, isn't it? Midfield is the key position in any team, along with the centre backs. And I think well, we if, had about. If if Nagy or Backinson or both of them, let's say we're out of contract, then I can see them giving Walsh a new deal and then Pearson bringing someone else in. But with so many players in contract, with the potential of Pearson wanting to bring one or two players in midfield himself, um, Walsh is out of contract. Similar to Smith last season. Do you know what I mean? Lots of competition. 
Yeah, is there space yeah. for him? We've got it. I mean, we in. keep saying we've not had a midfield, but we've got a lot. As you say, Les, you know, most of the midfield, that's where the bulk of the in-contract players are. I mean, Mark, you've been sat there listening patiently in the background. Let's let's move on and get the game out of the way. Um, second half, we, we brought on a couple of the youngsters. Well, we, well, we brought on another youngster. I thought Pearson was a little bit little boy lost out there in the first half and then he swapped uh, well, he, 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 I mean he had a, he had a he had a good he had a shot on 37 minutes didn't he it was a great pass yeah. by by Viner but he took a heavy touch and it went he went out wide so he was at too acute an angle really to to, to yeah. get it past the keeper but he, but he had a go but really I want to see him with you know get the ball in some space to run onto yeah. it he, he seems to get the ball in tight positions where he's physically unable but to he get bought on players. he bought on Conway as well when Naki Wells came on didn't he yeah right. no he bought yeah. on Janna no he did he, Janna. Brought, Janna. On Janna. he brought on Janna that's right Janna yeah, and on, I thought Janna so looked a little Janna, bit Janna Wells and Sessegnon at the Sessignon. same time that's right yeah and, yeah but what well, Janna's not a winger, which is what we put him out wide because we were, once again, we were down to 10 men. Um, I thought he looked physically capable of playing, more so than, say, Pearson. Um, but I, I wouldn't give him a high mark for his game. And I think we've got to be a bit careful with these young lads because, oh, look at the number of under 23 players we got. Yeah, that's fine, but they've still got to play well. Yeah. You can't just no, that's say, right. Well, There's no point you know, in saying, look at us. I mean, somebody said... Eight under twenty threes in the squad today. Well, it looks good on well, paper. Well, a lot of them, a lot of them haven't played league football, and you're asking no. a, a lot of them. None of them, none of them have played no. at league level. Pearson, Tau, Tau, Tau there. Jana, Jana, I think was signed to play play for Swindon, but then he got injured and he was never even able to start. That's, right. That's where he came back in. So let's wrap the game. Let's wrap the game up, though. Let's talk about yeah, you know, because we did as the game went on. We certainly didn't look like a side, as is often the case, playing with 10 men. Sheffield were getting nervous. And then the goal, when it came, it was a cross from Cessignon. Two lovely touches by Backinson and stroked it into the net, didn't he? Uh, Ian, I'll come to you first on the goal. You know, it was a goal of class in a well, game that was class-less, yeah? Well, let, let's look at what Cessignon did. Cessignon had a heavy touch that went inside. And it went a bit too far. Then he passed the ball behind Backinson. And Backinson, with his, his big, long legs, stretched back, got it, wrong-footed the defender and whipped it in the bottom uh, uh, bottom right-hand corner. And I thought it was a cracking goal. Um, and th- that just goes to show what I've, I've seen him hit a ball earlier in the season in a couple of games. I think it might, Coventry at home might have been one, where he, he walloped it three times as hard as that with his left foot and it was just over the bar. So the kids yeah. obviously got it there, but we keep with Backinson because he's so tall. We start thinking, oh, he's going to be good in the air, and he and he, and he's strong. And I don't think he's either of those things. He's a touch well, player, and no, well, no doubt when he get when he gets older, that'll improve because we were all stronger at twenty five than we were at eighteen. I think that's fair yeah. to say. But I, I just you you've got to look at them and realise, bit like Masengo, you've got to look at him and say, right, well. What if if we play them? What are they actually going to do, and um, where is that going to leave us in the table? Because like Masengo, somebody's got to tell me what he is because I'm still not sure. No, I got no, you're no, right no, here. no idea. You're right because he's not Let, one. He's not one thing or the other. No, Les. Uh, uh, 
Backinson, uh, I mean, it was a class strike. Um, he was on the naughty step a few weeks ago now when he got taken off early in the game. He's got that sort of laid back style uh, that, that, but, you know, is there a player in there? Now, he was poorly with COVID. Is it sometimes a bit like Jet? Is it attitude of mind or is it the physical pace that, you know, he's just not, he's not on I think, it? I think what, got, what do you think? I think you've got to remember at the start of the season, if you said the name Tyreek Backinson, no one would have had a, no one would have been thinking that this guy's going to play first team football this season. He's, mm. he's, he's come out of nowhere. He's, I think, done very, very well considering he has a real lack of experience. And, you know, when you have that lack of experience, there are going to be games where you're, you know, where you're not in, in the game as such. And, you know, he has quite a language style. He's not the most, you know, hardworking or the most physical when challenging. That's something he needs to develop. But I think he deserves a lot of credit. I thought he was, he was our best player by a mile today. I thought he really stepped up. I was really worried that him and Massen going to two-man midfield would just get overrun. They didn't. And yeah. that was a great strike. And I think he deserves a lot of credit because he's come out of nowhere to being arguably one of our most talented centre midfielders. And yeah. I think he's a very exciting prospect for the next couple of seasons. Do, um, do you think we'd yeah. put him out on loan again next season? I think spent- it depends. You know, assuming Walsh doesn't sign a contract, I think Nag- Nagy's not going to be in the picture. I don't think he's consistent enough. I don't think he offers enough. Um, I think you can be looking at Williams, if he's fit, starting with potentially, I don't know, uh, Masengo, Backinson, or a yeah. new signing alongside him. Um but he's definitely in the picture, which, which yeah. I didn't think he was oh, this time oh, last year. Oh, one player that hasn't been mentioned, all this talk of midfield, now whether you call him midfield, forward, false 10 or whatever, is uh, is Casey Palmer. Because he's another one that is arguably in a, in a, in a middle group, isn't he? Yeah. Yep. And he didn't another get one. any minutes today. Anyway, look, the game yes, he, well, finished. He did. He did. He came on after. Uh, did he? he did. Right he, came, at the end. he came on. He came on after uh, after uh, Tyreek scored. Well, as I say, I didn't. I didn't. I didn't have. Uh, I can't. No, he, say yeah, I he came fully, on for. He came on for. I can't say I was fully engaged with it. I can't say I was fully engaged with it. Uh, <laughs> fully engaged with it today. But look, it was one-one. Anybody notice uh, Jamie Smith? On the touchline, he played for us not so many years ago, didn't he? For a short period, is it the yeah, same? Yeah, he played under Tillian, Jamie didn't he? Yeah, he played under t- little the full, Was he a right fullback or something like that? Yeah, is that right? Is that what he was? Fullback, yeah, something James like Smith. that. Yeah, he was, he was a defender, wasn't he? he Instantly wasn't, forgettable. Yeah. Instantly yeah, forgettable. Yeah, uh, just um, just for everybody listening, uh, they lost sadly, the uh, news news lost three one. It's just finished. Yeah. So that's the uh, pitch action. I mean, if you look round the other results and what have you, I think Wickham ended up losing in the end, didn't they? Yeah. No, 2-2. 2-2. It was 2-2, was it? Yeah, Brentford, them and Brentford, Swansea and Brentford drawing meant that Norwich had already promoted before. That's right, and Watford lost at uh, wherever it was. Luton, that's yeah, right. We got to play, so that that bodes well for us, doesn't it? Well, that's the next two. <laughs> that's the next two matches, isn't it? Wickham away, and Wickham, yeah. and Luton. Is it away or home, Luton? Home. home. Oh, yeah, we lost that there 2-1, didn't we? Yeah, so we got two home games in a row then to finish. We yeah, Brent- two, two, two games to, to beat our eight-game eight game, eight game, uh, sequence Jeez. last season, the season before. Anyway. We've only well, won, we, we've only won we 11 games. We got, it was the most we've we, won at home since we've been back in the championship. We've, we've got to go we've got to go away to Millwall. So, um, That's right, because there's four, four games to go. That's right. That's four right. games so, to go, yeah. Four games to go. So it's Luton away. It's Wickham away. Yeah. Mill, uh, Millwall 
No, Wickham no, away, Wickham away, Luton at home, Millwall no, no, away, then we Millwall, finish against Brentford. That's it. That's right. That's it. So it's Brentford. I knew Brentford was at home. Somebody's, uh, your sister's put me right there, uh, Mark. So well done. her. I'm assuming she's your sister. It's not just a rumour. Anyway, yeah. off the field, um, <laughs> what happened What happened this week off the field? Look, we can't, I was going to try and make this a Mark Ashton free zone. Uh, but Monday, or was it Tuesday, the news broke that uh, Mark, I, I put, I tweeted Gregor, what he wrote on there was sort of like like a flattering obituary for his uh, <laughs> departure. It really was. You know? and, and he's gone. Yeah. And I could have used that song, He's Gone, Hall and Oats, I think it was, wasn't it? As you told me yeah, last week. But that, we, that, we didn't. That, that so gone. he's gone. And, and Steve... It come to you first on this, Ian, because you know all about this uh, stuff. But Steve Lansdowne says, yeah, we give him all our good wishes. And he's going to stay here to the end of May and get involved in player contract negotiations. I mean, for goodness sake, as far as I'm concerned, I just wish he'd just <laughs> off out of place, you know? <laughs> and if I was Steve Lansdowne, I'd be thinking, you haven't had your mind on my club. Because ever since we went on that pre-season tour of America two years ago, when he was buttering up the Americans, yeah? And, you know, him and his mate O'Leary, not to be confused with the bloke who runs Ryanair, I'd have him out the door straight away, wouldn't you, Ian? Well, I think, it, for me, I think he, he, it, the normal thing was he'd go on garden leave. Yeah. That, that would be what I would say would be the most normal the announcement was very corporate. You know, when somebody leaves a company, um, even if they're sacked, they get one of those glowing, as you called it, an obituary. But it, it's, you know, it, it, that's what normally happens if somebody left. I've seen loads of people leave companies. And, uh, you, you know, when, when you read it, you'd think they were the second coming. And, and you've, you then, but what you know is that they've been sacked. Um, yeah. So, look, he wasn't sacked. He decided he wanted to go to Ipswich. He decided, I think, um, it, the timing could be interesting because I think an, an awful lot of things that he was responsible for haven't gone right. Mm. And even if, you know, and, and I don't, I'm not one of these people that just blames everything on, on Mark Ashton. You know, if, if the sun fell out the sky over Ashton Gate, a lot of our fans have blamed Mark Ashton. Um, yeah. <laughs> and, 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 per, and personally, you know, I, I think Steve Lansdowne, as he said himself, um, has got a lot to answer for. Um, b- because whether he, he relied on Mark Ashton too much or whether he relied on John, um, I, I, I think a lot of things have happened this season that you think, yeah, you, you've had a bit of a panicky moment there. Like, for example... Um, Dean Holden went well we're going to have to take a really good look around and then he admitted that he wanted um, Simpson in Downing probably to stay to the end of the season but then yeah. he saw the I think it was a Barnsley game and had an oh Christ moment and thought hey, yeah. well, we could go down here and, and that'll cost <laughs> us seven or eight million quid on top of what we're also going to lose in, in lost TV revenue and solidarity payment yeah. so I think he, he thought oh, hang on a minute and then he went out and as I said at the time, if you want somebody, you can get within a week. Within a week, Nigel Pearson was there. And we now know that Nigel Pearson, or his agent, 
had applied for the job. Approached him and they and they went. I mean, Le- Les, um, you know, Ashton going probably the world's worst uh, kept secret. The way it was bubbling under with increasing uh, magnitude. Um, you'd have him out the door straight away, really, wouldn't you? But then it leaves this vacuum, and you know, there's so much to do, and yet we still haven't had. The meeting, and you know, there's two weeks left in the season now, isn't there? No, yeah. no, that is that's the most interesting thing because if you let's say you get, get rid of Mark Ashton and you get rid of Nigel Pearson, then suddenly you've got to do a whole recruitment process for the CEO or director of football, then you've got to do a whole recruitment process for a new manager, Jeez. and then suddenly all the contract talks have been left to the last minute. Our players who were available no longer available, and then we're in big trouble for the start of next season. So this tells me, the impression I get is uh, Ashton's uh, obviously going and Pearson will ultimately be offered the deal and they'll utilise Pearson's links and Pearson will get the men above him that he wants because otherwise we're well, in big trouble. <laughs> uh, it, absolutely. I mean, Mark, somebody's uh, just put on uh, here, RS Fabrics, nice bit of advertising in your handle there. <laughs> um, <laughs> He said, astronaut going on gardening leave, he's photographed with Pearson today. But this whole thing, it just strikes me as being a mess, isn't it? Well, I mean, if he's been announced as, 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 as the new Ipswich CEO, so he naturally thought he was leaving. And he, well, he hasn't, been, he hasn't been pushed out. I think Lansdowne wanted him to stay. I think he, he asked him to stay, didn't he? And he said he, he said he was going. But it's absolutely crazy keeping the guy on. You think, you, you think that they... That uh, either Lansdowne to get involved in contracts, but getting in, you know, whether that's 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 the problem, and there's nobody else to do it. I mean, it did, and, and he got a, an, an assistant, his sidekick, his Robin to his Batman, this Luke Werhan. Can't somebody else deal with contract well, negotiations if he goes? Is he that in? Is he I that mean, intrinsic to, yeah, to our it, future? It, it, with crazy. contracts, there's no coincidence that it all started to go tits up. Well, it was already vaguely tits up, but it went really tits up. At the Norwich game, when when Ashton came out and made these pronouncements, no, we've not offered any contracts, but we've offered uh, Fam uh, the best contract that's ever been offered to a Bristol City player. Allegedly, I read somewhere thirty-five grand a week, or that's what he wants when he goes somewhere else. But you know, it's you know, it is a case that you know, while Rome burns, Mister Lansdowne, junior or senior, whichever way you look at it, they have been fiddling, haven't they? Well, I think you need to be careful what you what you say there, Dave. Um, you mean like Nero? If yeah. you mean like Nero fiddling while Rome burns, or 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 take or being disinterested, if you will. Um, what I would say, what Steve Lansdowne would probably say is, look, you know, I, I I don't keep dogs and bark myself, as my mum used to say. You know, when she wanted me to do anything. Um, yeah. He's got a CEO in there that he's paying a, a king's ransom. And he, the CEO was responsible for the day-to-day run of the club. And I think John got involved in things like uh, the marketing, you know, the new shirts, the new badge, that kind of thing, and, and had the title of chairman. Now, from what Steve said in the podcast, is John doesn't see his long-term future at Bristol City. Now, that doesn't mean to say that he doesn't see a short-term future there. He might want to do another, let's say, five years and then leave. What I think is interesting is what they need to look at is he mentioned they were looking for investment. I take it. Let's, let's assume it's in the football club, not in Bristol Sport. He's looking for investment from outside, um, from outside the club. So he wants somebody to put some money in. 
I think he needs to come out on somewhere like the Twenty Man Show, Radio Bristol. Although he's very welcome to come on this podcast. Uh, don't think he will. Say, and say, well, this is what I mean by new investment. So if I'm the question I'd ask is, well, look, Steve, if, if I'm a wealthy American, should we say, and I want to put fifty million pounds into Bristol City, um, what do I get for my money? What yeah. am I buying? And well. It, in some cases, I mean, given the losses, what we're going to lose this year and probably next year if we don't go up to the Premier League, you Phenomenal. can almost give the club away. If yeah, well, Stoke, winning, just it was announced today, Stoke have lost, I'm guessing their account, probably million. £87 million quid loss with Stoke. And that is with, is that with parachute payments as well? Or are they out should of be running, payments? Should be running out. And Reading, what, 226% of, uh, yeah. of, 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 uh, of, of revenue, I mean, isn't it, on salaries? It, yeah, the authorities are going to have to do something uh, for this season because lots of clubs are going to be in that position. I'm not saying as bad as 87 million or as bad as Reading when made me smile when they say, well, actually, 225% of salary is an improvement because the year before it was 256%. I know, I know. But their CEO, their Mark Ashton equivalent, said, well, we're probably going to have to sell a lot of players, which is great. But who's going to buy them? But you, Lucas, but there's no Lucas Jay's on on thirty five grand a week, exactly. so he's going nowhere because he's he's not good enough to play in the prem. But right? if he's out he of is. contract, which he wouldn't be, but if he's out no, of he's contract, not. no. All right, but let's assume this time next year. All right, no. Let's let's just assume that he was out of contract and he's thirty six grand a week, which is what's that? That's about one point six million a year in wages. Yeah, you could go out and pick him up on a free. And pay five million over three years in wages, right? Happy yeah. days because to go and buy him, you'd have to pay. Let's say you had to pay six million for him to buy him, and probably want more than that. And even if he was on seventeen grand a week, that's still, you know, financially, Lucas Jow could still be okay. But he's not out of contract, as you rightly point out. Les, what did you make? And it's all to do with this off the field stuff. What did you make of that? Uh, talk that uh, this week that uh, Dean Holden had actually been approached for the Stoke City assistant manager's job. I mean, I think that's probably one of them rather than the assistant manager last summer. Yeah, was appointing him almost like a leader reaction when, for whatever reason, negotiations or face fitting with person or persons unknown could have left City well and truly high and dry. What did you think of Holden? Well, I mean, he had I that chance it, a year I, ago. I don't think us employing him as a manager has got to do as a knee-jerk rushing reaction. I think he is highly regarded as a good coach at this level. And yeah. I think he is rated in Stoke or in the northwest kind of area um, as being an excellent assistant manager. Uh, and I think that's what uh, appealed to Stoke, you know. I, let's be honest. If there was a manager's job going at Stoke, he wouldn't have been. No, he wouldn't have been lined up. And as you say, he's nice human, two. nice human, yeah. great, great job. And for he's worked him. with young with players. Family, yeah, he's worked with, with young players and everything you know, like that. So, yeah. What did? What did? Yeah. Sorry, go on, Les. Well, no, I just think you know, as a number two, he'd be in demand because he's got a good track record. He's worked with a proven coach. And he's got a record of working with the youngsters, which for someone like Stoke may be a route that they end up going down, especially with all the finances uh, and financial fair play. So it makes sense for him to be appointed as number two in the championship. What he won't get is a manager's job in the championship because he he, he ain't done enough to warrant one. Yeah. Um, but no, no, it's not a big deal. I don't think it's that big a deal no. becoming a number two. No. 
Mark, we uh, spoke uh, speculation, as we always seem to do on this uh, podcast, speculated probably a good two months ago that an ideal person for uh, chief exec here, but in a slightly different structure, maybe not a full-time chief exec, but a part-time executive chairman on the basis that Junior Lansdowne doesn't really want to get involved in anything day-to-day. And that would be uh, Richard Scudamore. And I don't know whether you caught in the press this week that Scudamore did deny any active interest in doing anything at City, or that was a quote, but I read somewhere else that there's another American consortium that were looking to, well, they raised, they were looking to raise half a billion for a sporting interest entity. It was actually oversubscribed and they read, they raised $575 million in the end, I think it was. So this was oversubscribed. And Richard Scudamore was appointed head of that and their objective was to get a Premier League team. Now, we're not Premier League, but is this, are there another lot of investors in the background, do you think, Mark, that this thing, contracts and everything, could all sort of sort itself out within the next three weeks? Or is that just pie in the sky thoughts of me? Well, I know Scooter Morris, according to Gregory's Rod himself out, he wasn't interested in coming as director of football or in any role... Uh, you know, high level role at, at City, but you know, you'd always think he'd be, you know, as a football administrator, he'd, he'd be behind some deal. Anybody, the, the way that City is structured with Bristol Sport, you'd really have to um, believe in, you know, the old ethos of the of the hub to buy into that. And yeah. you know, is that a lot of that based on goodwill, or is there genuinely money to be made out of that? And you're only going to make money if you get into the Premier League. Certainly not going to make any money as a championship club, are you? So no. it's a chicken and chicken and egg thing. But unless somebody un, un, unravels the Brist, uh, unravels Bristol Sport, is anybody going to want to invest in it? You know, like Lansdowne, you know, believing it's it's really stretching, stretching it. You know, they believe in you know the basketball, women's football. Well, that, uh, but that suits rugby. an American model, doesn't it? You know, if the yeah, Americans possibly. wanted to come in and buy something, and and and. Steve Lansdowne, he could actually cut if they put in three hundred million. Said Steve, here's three hundred million for the lot, for the lot. I wonder whether he'd take it. Would you take it, Ian, if you were Steve? Because there's three, people what? like us, chip three hundred million, lock, stock, and barrel, Bristol Sport, not, the whole thing. Not Get all your money I'd, back in I'd, one go. I bite their arm off for. I, I think I probably bite bite their arm off for two hundred. I mean, if you look at it, what's what's he got? What's what's the value? Of what he's got, he's got two training grounds and a stadium, and he's mm. he's going to build some flats. Which he can still go on and do that, and he's going to build a stadium for the Flyers. So he could say, right, I'm not going to build the stadium for the Flyers. If somebody buys the whole shooting match, um, so if somebody was to buy the whole shooting match, would he sell it? I, I don't know. <laughs> you'd have to ask him. But I, I would have thought, I'd have thought, why not? Yeah. You know, I, t- I think he'd. <laughs> He's he's nearly um, he's he's nearly uh, seventy. He don't want to go on. John, as Steve said, John doesn't see his long term future here. Yeah, so why yeah. why not set out? I would if if I was him, I would. Let's put it that way. Yeah, I mean, Les, what do you think? I mean, Ian said there's not two hundred and fifty million quids there, but as somebody's pointed out on here. Red Oxo has said uh, rugby is getting big in the states. Feeder basketball clubs in a pre-built stadium, and uh, you know a good rug- rugby side over here, and potentially a uh, Premier League football club in waiting. I mean, do you think 
it's not going to happen, is it? But 250 million, and they could buy everything and still have 100 million left so be honest, to, be to invest with you, in, Dave, in players. It's not going to, to happen. To be honest with you, I, I'm not interested. You know, no. I don't know enough about what goes on behind the scenes and all the business things. I'm interested in who, what players are we going to sign? Um, how much are we yeah. going to pay them? What positions do they play? What kind of football are we going to play? I've got no interest in the rugby, no interest in the basketball. I just want to see us. No, I, I, uh, I totally agree. Football. The one thing I would like to see is, and I'm hoping this might happen now that Ashton's disappearing. You know, I always saw myself as a fan, and in the last few years under Ashton, I felt a lot more like a. I don't know, a customer or a, or a client or a stakeholder, stakeholder. You know, I'm not, <laughs> I'm not interested in, I'm not interested in them terms. You know what I mean? I just want to go in and feel like I'm watching a club that really shares my values and has that community feel. And I think that's the one benefit of Ashton disappearing. Yeah. That crap that come out of his mouth, the slimy corporate <laughs> speak. I just didn't like it at all. And but, I'm very but glad. But the thing is, but the thing is, you say all about the corporate stuff. City have done a lot for the community, and with the during COVID, it doesn't feel like meals, it. It doesn't, no, it doesn't feel, feel like, like it. it to us as fans. It's all uh, right no. on stuff that they've been that they've been uh, doing. I mean, the interesting thing is, if they open the ground in August, are they going to have to abandon it as a as a vaccine uh, testing centre? I love this comment here that uh, Devon's tasty tool. At least he's taking the trouble to put words on there rather than random letters and numbers. He said, if at least eight of the teams above us go into administration in the next few weeks and suffer heavy points deductions and we win all our remaining matches, we could still make the playoffs. Always believe. <laughs> I love that one. Yeah. That is really good. That is really good. But uh, guys, Ian, sorry, yeah. go on. what were you going to chip in? If... if- City are in a situation. If you look at, let's just take the football club as an entity and forget the rest of it, right? If I'm going to, if I think if somebody came along with the right amount of money, and bearing in mind there's only so much you can put into Bristol City because of financial fair play, and we'll have to see what the EFL does about that because it's not good policy for 10 or 15 of your clubs to go bust because don't forget we're only talking about the championship is going to be to a lesser extent league one and league two, because you know, a club in league one or two, if you gave them a million quid, they go, well, whoopee do that'll keep us for a couple of years. You give a million quid to city. I mean, if you take Reading in as example, the average player at Reading, the not the best paid, the average earns 910,000 a year. That's the average. Yeah, yeah. So what what you've got, and, and it's already saying, well, yeah, but we'll sell some players. Who are you going to sell them to? If nobody's got any money. No, absolutely. Who, who's going to buy them? Um, yeah. So I, I think what we'll see this year, if if all those, let's assume all the 14 players that are out of contract go, and one's already gone in Mawson. Um, so let's say they all go and we bring in players. I think there'll be three types of players. There'll be... Um, Free agents, out of contract players. There'll be Premier League loans, and there'll be League One and League Two bargains where the, the clubs are really desperate and 100 grand, 150 grand, 200 perhaps buys you their best player. And, and, and yeah, yeah, you could go and do, you know. I mean, it's going to be look, this, this season was it four games to go now? I don't know why I thought it was three, but it's it, it, the end of the season can't come soon enough. But it's what's going to happen off the pitch is going to be as interesting, I think, over the next I'll say next by the end of May because the structure, the absolute latest you can do anything is by the end of May. 
Yeah, and if if Ashton's out of it in terms of his vigorous, rigorous processes, there's nobody within the club once Ashton's gone that I see is is I mean, it might be capable business people, but there's no football people there. Well, there is. There's one football person there, and that is Nigel Pearson. And you know, at the end of the day, you know how everybody, me included, we're giving him the benefit of the doubt. And if you give him the Middlesbrough game, it's now 12 points from 11 games. Or if you take the Middlesbrough away, the game away, it's nine from 10. Yeah. So something, Lansdowne really, if he confirms Pearson, right, at least that will assuage some of the uncertainty and negativity that's there. But I'm sure if he does do that, you're going to get another after people, particularly if we lost two more, two out of the last four, that say, oh, he's not the right man for the job. Then the pressure will be on Pearson in terms of how he constructs his backroom team, what he does about, we haven't even talked about medical today, yeah, what he does about the medical, who's, well, coaches are going to be, who is going to, is Steve Walsh going to come here? Everybody said, oh, he needs him to do the football stuff. He helped him at Leicester, but I read a very interesting article about Steve Walsh at Everton and his hit rate of success was pretty much about as bad as Ashton's. I'll try and point you in the direction of that. But uh, guys, look, it's just coming up to the hour. Um, we'll be back on uh, Wednesday. Wednesday. Is it, Mark? Yeah. Yeah, um, Wednesday against Wickham. Let's enjoy what little bit of Saturday evening is left with the sun. And uh, Les, Ian and Mark, thank you for your contribution. Have a good rest of the weekend, guys. All right? All yeah, the best. Stay, stay safe, everybody. All right. All the best, guys. Cheers now. Bye. 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 It's the 90th minute. All your mates around. You've got your McNugget share boxes ready to go. Your mates already got booked for double dipping and you still the last nugget snatching all three points. Perfect. Order McDelivery now on the McDonald's app. You in? Our participating restaurants, 18 plus serving times, delivery fee and time supply. See mcdonalds.com. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans.